Jesus, thank you for your church. Lord, thank you for your body. Lord Jesus, thank you for your people today. Lord Jesus, as we come around your word, I pray that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you were here on Thursday night at Heart and Soul? What a great night it was, how God spoke to us through his word. And Dave spoke about the church being described and pictured as a body, pictured as a human body. And as I was sat here, I thought, Dave has just preached everything I prepped this week. <laughs> so that's me done, I'm off. Acts chapter 18, verse 23. Scripture talks here and says, after spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia, visiting and strengthening the believers. My plan this morning is to encourage and strengthen you. Is that okay this morning? It goes on in verse 27 and says, when he arrived, he, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. My prayer this morning is that I'll be of great benefit to you before you leave this place. Is that okay? Well, this morning we're going to go into God's word. Are you ready to receive God's word? Well, the title of the message this morning is very simply, You are part of God's plan. You're part of God's plan. God has a plan, and where God has a plan, he uses a man. He uses a man or a woman. He, he uses people, just like me and you. Whenever God has a plan, his plan is not to appear in a puff of smoke. His plan is to use his hands and his feet here on earth. His hands and his feet are you and me. And God wants to use each and every single one of you under the sound of my voice this morning. And when God has a plan... That includes me and you. Is that okay? Is that okay that God uses you? Is that okay if God uses you, Lawrence? Because this morning I say, God, use me. Use me to speak to your people. Because it's not about me, it's about him. He wants to speak to you today. If you only pin back your ears and listen, he has a word for each and every one of us. And we're going to have a look at Acts chapter 9. And we see in Acts chapter 9 that Saul got converted on the road to Damascus. But Paul was a significant man that God used. We know in Acts chapter 9 how, how Paul got uh, saved, how he got converted, and he impacted the early church. Paul impacted the early church and went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. But part of this great work of Paul... There were many, many, many other people who were entwined and wrapped up in that work that Paul did. It wasn't the one-man band show. It wasn't the Paul show. Paul didn't go around doing everything by himself. God had a plan, and he used many, many people. Just like in building this house and this church. It's not about one man and one woman. It's about all of us together building his house. Amen. And we know that Paul was used by God and, and God saved him and 
there were countless other people that God used, just like you and me. And we're going to have a look at some of those people. But you know, everyday people, ordinary people were used in the Bible. Everyday people like me and you. Some of us in here, hairdressers. Others, builders. Others, mechanics. All different people from all different walks of life, God used. Just like in the early church, he used ordinary people. They weren't significant people. They weren't superheroes. They weren't famous people. They were everyday people, just like me and you. And the Bible's full of everyday people. People with issues, people with fears, people with problems, people who had their ups and downs, but God used them in spite of them. And there were eight people in Acts chapter 9 alone that God used in this conversion and this early church work that God planted in Acts chapter 9. And even some unnamed other people. See, it's not about the the big name. It's not about the big show up here. It's about what we do where you're sitting. For those who are not even in the meeting right now, who are over in King's Kids, who are out in the creche, who are out to the back washing cups currently from the cups that we enjoyed earlier. Those who are not here, but still rolling up their sleeves and getting involved. And there was one named Barnabas who sought Paul out and he went looking for Paul and encouraged Paul back to Antioch. And we see here that in Acts chapter 11, verse 24 and 26, it says this, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Saul, Paul, same person. But when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was in Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. But notice here, it says that Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. But Barnabas went off. We all know about Saul. We all know about what, what happened to him on the road to Damascus. But there was a man here called Barnabas. And he went off. And he went off looking for Paul. Because at this point, Paul had been a Christian for nine years. But he dropped out of sight. In that nine-year period, you you read the scriptures and from one to the other, you don't take much consideration that a nine-year gap had spanned. But Paul had dropped off the radar. Paul had disappeared for nine years. But Barnabas went and sought him out and he exhorted him and encouraged him to go on to Antioch, to go on to what he did and how we read the New Testament and the the remaining two-thirds of the New Testament that he went on to write. If Barnabas hadn't done that, who knows what would have happened to his ministry? Who knows what, what would have happened to Saul's ministry if Barnabas hadn't got alongside him and encouraged him to keep on going and keep on going. And for some of you this morning, I want to encourage you, keep on going. Keep on keeping on. Because for some of you, the road's just getting tough. It's like you're trudging through mud. 
But you know what? Keep going. Because there is light at the end of the tunnel. Things will get easier. But you've got no one better alongside you than him. He's there right alongside you. He's there, your greatest encourager. He's the one right there to push you on. He's your greatest advocate. When you think there's no one behind you, the people that you once had around you are no longer there. No, he's there. Your best friend's beside you. But let's have a look at Acts chapter 9. We see so many people were used for one mission and one purpose. And God works through people. Dave spoke on Thursday night about the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Read it when you get home. We haven't got time to get into that this morning, otherwise we'll be here till maybe next Monday or Tuesday. But, all right, let's get into it then, James. Make a phone call, tell him you're not coming home today. But Dave talked about how the, on Thursday night, how the, the church is the body of Christ. And there's one body with many parts. And you're a part of the body, just like I am. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are mouths, some of us are heads. There's all different parts of the body. But, hey, we're not going there. I ain't got time. But uh, let's, can I just take a moment to say this? That God is not looking for perfect people. God's not looking for perfect people, church. If you, if you think God's looking for perfect people, you're in the wrong place. Because God is not looking for perfect people. You're not looking at a perfect person here today. What God's looking for is available people. Available people who will say, yes, God, I'm in. Willing people, people who are willing to say, yes, God, I'll get involved. Yes, God, I'll do it. What is it you want me to do? I'll do it. I'll roll up my sleeves and get involved. Willing people, willing to do whatever he asks you to do. Do you know that you're the answer to somebody's prayer? You are the answer to somebody's prayer. Somebody's been praying. Just like we see, we're going to get into Acts chapter 9 now if time permits. But you are the answer to somebody's prayer. Someone's been praying. And if you're willing and obedient to do whatever God's called and asked you to do, you'll be the answer to somebody's prayer. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Let's go into it. It says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any other followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Well, you know the story. I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, But on the road to Damascus, Paul sees a bright light. He has an encounter with the Lord. And Saul is on a mission to to persecute the church, to, to bring men and women, as we've just read, bound back. He was uttering these threats. But it goes on in verse 5 and says, it says this, verse 5, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one 
that you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. You see, he was on the mission to go and persecute the church. But God intervened. God had a plan. God had a plan for Paul's life, just like he's got a plan for your life. And you may think that you're on a course of destruction. You may think that your life's going in a, in a direction that you don't want it to. Well, that's okay, because he's in control. At that point, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. And Christ, Jesus, knew what he was going through. Do you know, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. Jesus knows exactly how you're feeling. Jesus knows everything about you, and he's there for you. Jesus knows what you're going through. And for some of you, you're wondering where Jesus is in your situation. Saul was on that road. He was going about his mission. He was going off to Jerusalem to deliver the letters. And Jesus turned up on that road and impacted his life. Well, you're probably wondering, well, my life's a mess. My life's a problem. Well, he knows what you're going through. He really do. And verse 5 says, now get up and go into the city. And you'll be told what you must do. You know, God will not show you the end picture. Do we not live a life of faith? Do we not live a life of trust in him? Well, he's not going to show you the end picture. 18 years ago, he didn't show me where I'm going to be today. No, he showed me where I was going to be six months later. Not even, sometimes a week later. But God's not going to show you the end picture. It's about trusting him. It's, a, it's about trusting and relying on him. And verse 5 says, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. He didn't show Paul that later down the road he'd go on and be a man that 2,000 years later the church is still talking about. He didn't show Paul that he'd go on uh, and, and write two-thirds of the New Testament. He didn't show, no, he, he simply said, get up, go into the city. Some of you need to get up from where you are. Get off this and start standing on these. Stand on your feet and start to do what he's asking you to do now. Because while you're sat on this, you're not going to be going anywhere. You think of a car, how difficult it is to steer or turn the steering wheel of a car when it's stationary. You can't turn that wheel. But even if the engine's not on and it's broken down, you start pushing it. And it might just be dribbling along how easy it is to turn and maneuver that car. Well, God will move you and he'll turn you if you only start moving. It might just be one foot today, another foot tomorrow, one foot in front of the other, and you'll get to where God wants you to be. He'll move you and, and, and show you, just like he did for Paul here in verse 5. You'll be told what you must do. But it says, get up and go. Action is needed. God's calling us to action. And you wonder why God's not using you? For some of you, you're wondering why, oh God, I, I wish you'd use me. And you're wondering why God's not using you. Well, get up and start going. Get involved. You, you, you pray, oh God, I wish I could work for you. I wish I could do something for you. That's fine. We've got King's Kids teams that need people. We've got a welcome team that need people. There's tea and coffee that need serving for people. There's toilets that need cleaning. 
This place is a big old hall to Hoover. But God needs you and he needs me. If only we roll up our sleeves and get involved. But verse 8 goes on and says this. Saul picked himself up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. You see, we're going to have a look at all these people that God used in Acts chapter 9. All these people, it wasn't just Paul. Paul at this point had just got up off the ground. He picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. He was blind. So I don't know about you, I got a few people I know are blind. Friend of mine, John, blind, can't see a thing. He needs you to take him by the hand and lead him. Otherwise he'd trip over things. No good for no one, that is it. So, his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Let me ask you a question, church. Can you take someone by the hand today? Yeah. Thank you. Amen. Can you take someone by the hand in this place? There's new believers that have just got saved and they don't know our culture. In fact, church culture is weird. We say all these, all these Christian terminologies. We all know it because we've been around a while. But for someone who just come in through the place, to, words that we, like righteousness and holy, and what does that mean? For people who don't know, righteousness very simply means right standing with God, being in a right relationship with God. But how do the people who just come in know? They don't, but they need you to lead them by the hand. Each and every one of us can take hold of someone. You can grab the hand of, of someone who just walked in and you've just met them and, and they're having a cup of tea at the back at the tea station. And say, hey, how are you? Let me get your number. Let's meet up in the week for a coffee. Grab hold of the hand and lead them along this path. Lead them along this path of church life so that they can become integrated in this fantastic and wonderful house that we have. Amen? Amen. But even saying that, some of you are thinking, well, I, I can't do that because I'm only a new Christian. Well, that's okay. Because you don't need to be 20 years down the road. You only need to be one step ahead. You don't need to be a mile down the road. If I'm going to lead you or you're going to follow me and we're going to Cardiff and you're in the car behind, as long as I'm one car in front of you, I can see the sign. I can see the sign that says Cardiff, turn left. So I can go and you can follow. You don't need to be two junctions ahead. Because otherwise, two junctions ahead down the motorway, they're not behind you, they lost you. You don't need to be two junctions ahead of someone. You're too far. All you need to be is one step ahead. Take hold of someone by the hand and, and lead them and guide them and show them. Verse 10. Verse 10, it says this. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Notice what he says here. Shout it out. What's that say? Yes. I can't hear you. Yes. How many people in this place are going to say yes today to Jesus? Yes. Jesus is just looking for yes people. He's looking for me and you. Ananias turned around and said, yes, Lord. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. To the house of Judas. And when you get there, Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me 
right now. What did I say earlier? I said that you are the answer to somebody's prayer. Ananias was the answer to somebody's prayer. Paul was praying. And the Lord had instructed him and told him to go over to Tarsus to a man named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I've spoken and shown him in a, in a vision. A man named Ananias is coming and laying hands on him so that he can see again. See, this morning we laid hands on the sick. That's Bible. You see it right there. The Bible tells us and instructs us to do these things. If someone's sick, lay hands on the sick. You don't need to be, as I've already said, you don't need to be years in the church and following Jesus to lay hands on the sick. That's for me and for you. If you, if you know someone who's sick, lay hands on them in Jesus' name. Because it's nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with me. These hands are just tools. These hands are just plain old simple hands. But when the power of God, and you take God at his word and you trust him, and you do what God wants you to do, and you take him at his word and lay hands on the sick, God will do the rest. You just dare to believe that God will use you and take your hands when you lay them on sick people and see blind eyes open. You'll see it. You really will. You will see him do it. Because he's God and all he's looking for is available people. He's looking for me and for you to say, yes, Lord, I will. You're the answer to somebody's prayer. And God will use you if you let him. I said if you let him. If you're willing today to let God use you. To let God expand your business. To let God lead you on the path that you know he's telling you to go down. You'd be amazed at what he'll do. Ananias, we're looking here, uh, Ananias in verse 10. There's, there's three Ananiases. Ananias is Ananias and Sapphira, uh, Sapphira, which is mentioned in Acts chapter four. Ananias, who was a follower of Jesus in um, Damascus, which we're looking at now, and another Ananias, which was a high priest in Jerusalem. But we're looking at the second one today here in Acts chapter 10. Ananias here did what Jesus asked him. Did he want to? Did he really want to? Well, we'll have a look at that now. Because do you know when God asks you to do something? Sometimes you might think, oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, really. (laughs) Have I always done what I've wanted when God's asked me? Really? Not, did I always want to? Not really. I'm being honest here. Did I really want to go and do some of the... Th- no, not really. But I tell you why, you get no greater satisfaction than doing what he's asked you to do. When you do what God's asked you to do, God's no man's debtor. You reap the rewards for what he's asked you to do. And verse 15, it goes on, and it says this. But the Lord said, go. See, a two-letter word that we sometimes miss. Small little two-letter word, go. It says, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my Names, for my namesake. You see, here, 
Ananias was chosen to go. But Paul was also chosen to go and take God's word. Do you know that God has chosen you and you and you and every one of you from the left to the right in this place? He's chosen you to go and do something specific for him. We're all part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Go and have a look at it later when you get home. We all part of the body. We all got different roles to play within the family. But God has called you to do something. What is it that he's called you to do? What is it he's told you to do? Go and do it. I think back to when I started Gypsy Church and how the Lord had told me to go and take his word to his people. And I got in the car and I said, yes, Lord. Well, did I want to do it? Did I get nerves? Was I nervous about going into uncharted, unknown territory? When God tells you to go and do something, it might be nerve-wracking, but you've got the backing of heaven behind you. You've got the whole army of heaven behind you. Just trust him and go and do what he's told you to do. And I got in the car and I went. And the first time, I drove up to the gate where a whole load of trailers were pulled. And I stopped and put the brakes on. And I turned around and went back the other way. <laughs> I turned the car around at the end of the road and I drove back to the gate. I stopped, put the brakes on, and turned around and went away. Third time, I took a run at it. I put my foot down. <laughs> I got to 50, thought I could make it. 60 on the clock. It's only a 30 road, God, forgive me. But I got through the gate, whoosh. Too late then. Someone come out. I was having a chat with a man. And he invited me in for a cup of tea. And I led him to the Lord and we were talking. And just very simply about the love of Jesus. About how Jesus has a plan for him. And how Jesus died on the cross to forgive him of his sin. And how Jesus loves him just like he does me. With all my mistakes, all my failures, all my mess ups. But Jesus loves him. And die to forgive him of all of his past. Not some of it, all of it. Just like he has you. And with that, well, there was someone who got saved. Someone who come to know the Lord. Well, what? we're not called to make, de- to make decisions. We're called to make disciples. So I was left with no option but to disciple someone. To lead someone by the hand. To take hold of someone. Like I just said, one step at a time. And that's how Gypsy Church started. And we, and we started Bible studies and, and different things. But did I want to go and do that? Did nerves grab hold of me? Of course it did. I put the brakes on twice. But I tell you what, over the years we've seen hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people come to know the Lord up and down this country. Give God praise. You see here in verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, go. Did Ananias want to go? Did he really want to go and 
do that? Well, let's have a look. Ananias, the Lord said, said to him in verse 11, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him in a vision a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him. But verse 13, have a look at this. But Lord, Ananias exclaimed. He wanted a row with God. He wanted a row with Jesus. He said, oh Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man's done to the believers. Do you think his tail was shaking? His leg was going. Did he want to go and do what Jesus had asked him to do? No, I don't think he did. In fact, we see it. He's having a chat with Jesus and saying, he's saying to the Lord there, don't think he wanted to. But did he go? Did Ananias go? Verse 17. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. See, if you only go and do what Jesus has asked you to do, you'll reap the reward and see the benefit. If you stay sat on this, that's all you'll do is get a sore bum. Because some of you are even twitching now because you sat down for too long. I promise I'll wrap it up soon. But you see, if you get up and do like he did, get up and go. What would have happened if Ananias hadn't gone? Just think about it for a moment. We see that he went. Great. But what would have happened if Ananias hadn't gone and he'd continued to sit in that place? Well, what if? What if? What if he kills me? I know this man's a madman. It says that he was, it says that he was uttering threats. Do you know in the Greek that means that he was seething at the mouth. He was uttering threats. He was, he was a man who if he said he was going to kill you, he was going to do it. He wasn't a man who minced his words. He said what he said and he meant it. But he was seething, foaming at the mouth, uttering threats to people. But Ananias decided to take and trust Jesus. Take, take God at his word. The, the angel appeared and told him to go and do it. He went and did it. But what would have happened if, he, if he'd said, no, I'm not going to go? Who knows? But thank God he said yes. And I thank God today, as a result of today, some of you are going to make decisions and say yes. Some of you are going to say, yes, God, I will. I'll go and do what you want me to do. And then Paul gets saved, he starts preaching, and the Jews don't like it. They plot to kill him. But notice here, we've seen a couple of people entwined in this plan that God has. I said that God has a plan and he wants to use you. God's plan involves you. You see, even in verse 24, skip down to verse 24, it says, Paul was told, verse 24, they were, they were watching for him day and night at the city gates so that they could murder him. The Jews were watching the city gates 
so that they could murder Paul, so that they could, that they could kill him for what he was going around doing. He was so zealous in preaching the word. He was so zealous in what he was going and doing that the Jews didn't like it and they were plotting to kill him. But as they were watching for him, they wanted to murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. Verse 25 goes on and says, So during the night, some of the believers... Some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Does that name someone? No, no it doesn't. See, it's not about the name and the celebrity. There's some other people here that are not even named in the Bible who are part of God's intricate plan of the New Testament. There's some other people. Other, it just simply says there were other believers other believers, you and me, us, other believers together, just part of God's plan, part of God's workmanship, part of building his church, part of building his house. You and me together, rolling up our sleeves and getting involved. Amen? But verse 27 says this, Then Barnabas brought to him the apostle, and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus, and how, he'd, and how the Lord had spoken to him. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28. So Paul, or Saul, stayed with the apostles, and he went around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Here again we see, it says that Saul stayed with the apostles. They took care of him. They got alongside him. They encouraged him. The others got around him. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could get around someone and encourage them? Just think of someone that maybe today is not here. They're sat at home. They're not in church today because they're just going through a rough old time. And they don't want to come to church. Do you think you can get alongside them or pick up the phone this afternoon and say, do you know what? Next week, come and sit with me. Come and sit next to me. Can I pick you up and bring you to church? Can you get alongside someone just like the apostles did? It said that Saul stayed with the apostles and he went around with them. Preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Can you get around someone and let them hang out with you? Can you let someone hang out and be with you? Someone took care of him. They hung out with him. They took him under their wing. And when the believers heard about this, they went down to Caesarea and they sent him away to his home, hometown. And in verse 43, it says this. It says, News spread throughout the whole town and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed with them for a long time in Joppa with Simon a tanner hides. Later on, we hear of Peter. Time's gone, so we're going to leave it there. But, but here, even Simon, even Peter stayed with Simon, who was a, a tanner of hides. Simon, a tanner of hides, opened his house to Peter. No different to us, really, on a Thursday night, is it? Opening our house to people. Inviting them to come to our house to connect. 
inviting people to come along and have fellowship with us, spend time with us. But as I close, I just want to say this, that we are all a cog in the puzzle of the plan of God. You are just a cog. I am just a piece. I am just a piece in the puzzle of what God wants to do here in Newport. We're a cog and a piece in the puzzle, and God needs you to step up. He needs me to say yes. And let me ask you this. Will you do it? Will you do what he's asking you to do? Will you roll up your sleeves and put a stake in the ground today and say, from this day forward, yes, Lord. As a result of your obedience is the answer to someone else's prayer.